I worry about being like stagnant as an artist of not growing. Like, I don't know if I'll ever lose that sort of feeling of just like put, trying to push myself. Like I, I get inspired by a lot of things that I see. I'll see some other artists doing something maybe a certain way. And I'm like, Oh, I kind of want to see if I can figure that out. I don't know. It's just, I think it's that just constantly like chasing, you know, that some chasing Paul, you know, really, if you want to get psychological about it. Hey, yeah. Thanks for listening. I'm recording this in a makeshift pillow fort to cut down on echoes. A few weeks ago, Molly and I decided to sneak off to New York City for Christmas and the New Year. And the big choice for us was to not tell anybody we were coming up because we wanted to make it about our time together and recharge. And we filled our week with movies, food, bookstores, and museums. And it was absolutely spectacular. Our batteries filled right back up. And I can't wait to get back to writing. My intention for the year is to find representation for my novel because I'm midway through the second book and I have a, uh, an outline for a, a new series completed and I want to get that draft done in between book two drafts. This week's guest is Derek Laufman. I first noticed Derek a few years ago on Twitter. He has this cartoony medieval fantasy artwork style, which really caught my eye. And we crossed paths on a DM. And I said, you know, hey, come on, please. And he was more than happy to. And we had a really nice talk. And I was really excited to learn his path to becoming a comic book artist and how he really works to focus his trajectory and trying to do the things that really bring the most joy to him as an artist. And we talked about the, what I'm now calling the theory of Paul and that we all have a Paul in our life or we all should have a Paul to help drive us the things that we desire to improve in our life. So, you know, maybe you listen along and you can identify the Paul in your life. Um, I hope, I hope it's a positive influence. Um, so this is me with Derek Laufman. My godmother is amazing and she was a phenomenal foster, um, from my work as a kid. Like I would get art books from her as a kid. And when I, boy, maybe sixth grade around there, she's mm -hmm. sent me the two George Bridgman, uh, anatomy books. Okay, nice. You know, I don't think I grasped, you know, completely what they <laughs> were like. Yeah. And I would sketch from those books every, you know, every so often to try to figure something out, like the obvious ones that you were not doing well. It wasn't until like, and I'm, I'm wondering, like, I know, like, there was a, you know, the immediate pecking order when you're young, like, oh, that, that person could draw, that person can play basketball right. or whatever the thing is, yeah. like, and you wonder, because like, we all have the friend who was really good at the thing, but they never did the thing. And I always wonder whether it's a combination of not getting support at home or by others and external support to, to pursue it. Or is it a matter that there wasn't a challenge or at least there was no perception of challenge because they were like, well, you're the one who's good at that. And they're like, well, I don't even try. So I guess that's it, you know? So, right. 
I, I wonder if that's the case. And like, for me, I think it was late in high school when I finally came in contact with like an upperclassman and maybe a year or two ahead of me. And he, boy, this guy could draw. Like he was a transfer, showed up for like one semester in our school and was gone. Like, I mean, he was this right, sort right. of, you know, he's, he, yeah, he, he's what is, uh, he, he's the guy at the bar in the big Lebowski. He's Sam Elliott. Like he just right. kind of showed up and dropped wisdom, <laughs> dropped wisdom into my little brain and, you know, disappeared. But I really learned a lot from him because it was an early sense of creative competition. Like there was somebody mm-hmm. who was better than me and I wanted to be as good or better than them. So I really, really right. remember hustling to try to catch up and then going off into art school that's when that whole realm of like, oh, there are other people here who are really, really good. And then right. that's when I would grab an art, you know, an art book and I would go through it myself and I would like, okay, I'm going to learn this. and I'm going to draw every single thing from this book to make right. sure that I know what this is. And that was that whole kind of self chase, but that was because I got competitive, like, because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I have to be better than other people if I'm going to have a crack at this. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned like competition because even in grade school, um, there was one kid named Paul and he was better than me at drawing. And I was, I hate Paul. Yeah. I didn't like, uh, and he was popular. He was a popular kid and he could draw. And I heard rumors and I never, you know, we weren't friends. Um, even though we went through school, like right till through high school, I, I I don't think I've ever really even spoke to the kid like this. Mm -hmm. He was out of my you know, friend zone, you know, so much so. Um, And he, uh, you know, I heard his dad was a cartoonist. And I remember like something he brought in, like probably grade three. And I remember just being like, wow, did your dad draw that? Like, I was just like, but you could tell probably it was like one of those things like it blew my mind. But Mm -hmm. like, you know, I was like, here's this kid who's like elevated. And it was probably because his dad was teaching him, you know, the principles sure. like you know and things like that and and he went on to do illustration in university and then i don't know or college and i don't know what he did after that um but uh i think he was sort of my you know the competition i was chasing all through my life a little mm. bit even though he wasn't really in my circle he was always in the periphery of like i he's know out he's, there. he's out he's there out he's out there he, he was in the yeah, when we got in the, when we got into into high school, he was in the other art teacher's class, and I remember being jealous because my art teacher was like very art uh, history focused, mm-hmm. loved art history, really taught it, drove it down our throats. Right. And the other art teacher was a little more free and a little more like, yeah, we like appreciated cartooning and things like that. And I so wanted to be in this class and never <laughs> sure. never got to be in his class. Um, and uh, funny enough, in high school, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the artist uh, Dax Gordine. He goes by DG. Um, no, I don't. Anyway, he's done a lot of work for Marvel and Scotty Young. He worked with Scotty Young and stuff. And uh, so he was in my art. Uh, he was in my art high school class, and we still, to this day, will reminisce about that art teacher. How he <laughs> just kind of like held us down a little bit when it came to like us wanting to be in comics and do comics, and wasn't very encouraging. Um, right. So yeah, that was always a bit of a sticking point for me um, as well. But yeah, I think that kid, Paul, just was, he was the kid I chased probably to try to be a little better, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, 
So yeah, I, think, well, I don't know. Yeah, those motivations, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, I think you got to find them where you can find them. And I don't think when you're young, you really have a, uh, a too much of a, a vision to say, well, I need to find, I need to, I need to find a, uh, you know, someone I can compete compete against. It's just a matter of like, I guess you're fortunate if you end up having that happen, so you can kind of have a benchmark or some sort of, you know, flag to chase. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so did you i mean did you go off and do did you go to art school or you are you did you self-taught what was the that so, course? so after high school i didn't have much of a portfolio um to speak of i wanted to go to sheridan because sheridan was um sheridan college is just in oakville and i grew up in burlington so it was only about 20 minutes from my house it was mm-hmm. one of the best like art schools in canada um, and, uh, they had an animation program and they had an illustration program. And at the time I had been pretty focused on, I wanted to do comics. So I thought illustration would be the way to go. Um, they offered an art fundamentals class, which basically was like a do everything. You get graphic design, you get life drawing, mm-hmm. a little bit of painting, things like that. So a bit of a crash course. Um, that was nice, but I was like my first year of college, I was partying, I didn't really focus, <laughs> kind of wasted my year, um, had a bit of a portfolio, but not enough to get me into the illustration program I wanted to get into. Um, and then after that, I would kind of hit rock bottom a little bit, um, sort of feeling aimless. I was about 20 and uh, probably a little bit of depression set in because I was really kind of couldn't get into the art pro- program I wanted um you know there wasn't really a lot of avenues for you know good paying comic jobs back then maybe message boards started to come about but it wasn't like there wasn't much out there and not for like a kid who's still trying to figure it out so um i ended up taking some night courses and like weekend courses through sheridan um uh, i sort of decided i was going to try to also get into animation Mm -hmm. um and so they had like a background uh, design course, a uh, there was a watercolor painting course, life drawing, things like that. So I was able to actually build up a portfolio. Um, and I, again, didn't get into illustration, but I got into animation, was, which it was actually harder to get into than illustration. But I think I had such a more cartoony style that I fought against. I was fighting against my cartoony style because I really okay. wanted to draw yeah. comics. And uh, yeah, so I got into anim- animation and that was like a big eye-opener because you go into a program where all these talented kids like talk about going from like you know second best with paul in high school to now i'm with like 96 other kids that are amazing all named paul ironically and all named paul a bunch of pauls uh (laughs) and yeah so that was like uh that was that was that was different that was a different kind of competition i think that was like a you know i almost became like a sponge you know, mm-hmm. from my peers, um, trying to learn as much as I could from these other talented kids. And I, I think I learned more from the kids than I did from the actual teachers. The teachers were great, but um, it was just, it was just seeing these like fast amounts of talented kids. And some kids are really good at caricature. Some kids really good at backgrounds. They also had different influences I'd never heard of, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I didn't watch a lot of anime, but a couple of kids like watched anime and they kind of tell you about stuff and, kind of opened your world up a little bit i had kind of been closed off you know in high school um in in high school all i had was image comics that was my 
a comic shop had opened up across the street. It's like my first year of uh, high school. It was literally right across the street from the high school. And I go in there every like Tuesday, take my lunch money from the week. I blow $15 of my $20 my dad gave me. And I would spend like a dollar on a, like a order of fries just to kind of like supplement me um, throughout the week. But I would blow like, yeah, I'd buy like three comics of like, a savage dragon and a spawn and you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing and uh a young blood or whatever and that was like my comics education but i think it was like kind of closed-minded like i being only really exposed to image i think kind of warped me a little bit um i was not again going back to like the the uh learning issues i had i wasn't a big reader right. and these comics didn't really offer a lot of like uh i don't know um, stimulation when I read them, <laughs> you know what I mean. Like the scripts <laughs> didn't jump. It didn't make me want to keep reading. Why we be smirching the the quality uh, <laughs> literary works of the of the early uh, image years? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's, Just yeah. want to make sure. Uh, no, no, no. I mean, hey, it, it is what it is. If they were flashy. They they. It's why I bought them. You yeah. know, it, it made me want to draw better. They were know, the new and, hotness. And, they were. And, you know, it was the big names and it was mm-hmm. like, you know, I was and I was a poser. You know, that's what I was like. I mean, if you, in the world of comics, I was a poser because I only knew image, the flashy <laughs> thing. It was the new hot thing, you know, and, and I come, you know, I, I had had a few comics growing up, um, you know, like an issue of like a G.I. Joe comic and like things like that. But I never really had a lot of comics. I had the, the trading cards, the Marvel trading cards, mm-hmm. especially series two. Okay. That was probably my my biggest like uh, I guess window into the world of Marvel because all the little I read the, I read the backs of those cards right. and I I would know the powers of each each uh, character and kind of who's stronger than who and that was my little like window into the world of Marvel but I never really read the books there wasn't there wasn't many that I had picked up um, because it was all image it's all I could really afford like I said I could buy three comics and it was going to be image because those are the books I'm reading. And if a new number one came out, I was going to grab it because, hey, it was going to be worth $15 next week. Sure. You know, they, they, they would have it on the wall if you didn't pick it up. It would or, be you like, can get two orders of fries next week. Well, that's the thing. What I, I missed out on Savage Dragon number one, and it was $20 on their wall. It's the most money I'd ever spent on a comic, but I had yeah. to have it. I had to have number one. And that was like my whole lunch money for that week. I don't even know how, what I ate that week, but it wasn't, <laughs> you know. You're just begging um, from everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, it was a lot of like uh, that. So I think I got lost on where I was. So I was talking about college, and then I got into high school. No, well, you were you were saying how you you were going talking about your influences. You were you had fought this instinct of your cartooniness, Mm -hmm. and how you were getting exposed to new things through animation and realizing and, and making that correlation that you didn't even have a very broad comic book exposure. It was right straight up you know, the bad boys of comics from the West coast doing their magic. Exactly. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, but interesting enough too, when I got into animation, the first year we got in, like as as soon as we got in pretty much, um, toy story had come out Mm. and that changed the 2d uh, because it was classical animation was taking and it crushed the whole 2d industry. 
Like it was crumbling around me as I was going through school. Um, <laughs> We've all been and, there, Derek. You live long yeah, enough. Yeah, you, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, so it was, it was interesting to see because by our second year, we had a lot of industry professionals coming in to teach for our second year. People that worked on like Titan AE mm-hmm. and like studios that had closed down. And um, interesting enough, it, it was a quick realization that not all artists are good teachers. And yeah that that was an interesting thing too and it's why like even to this day when people ask me like hey do you want to teach a class do you want to do this i'm like i'm not a great teacher like sure i can sit down with you and we can discuss art and you know i can tell you what's wrong or whatever but i'm not a good teacher and i know that and i know what it's like to have a teacher who's not a good teacher like it just maybe they're, they're great at art but they don't know how to teach it you know they're yeah. not engaging they're not they don't have that passion so anyway um that was so by the time here's the thing too like so i still had the drive of being in comics and when i was in animation i realized quickly that all the principles they were teaching us i could apply to comics so it was a layout class storyboarding mm-hmm. um you know life drawing all these things were picking up um even just posing and like learning to like do the the actual animation itself i'm like i can apply all this to like comics so i'm good i'll keep going through this course and by the time I come out, I don't care. The animation industry is crumbling because I'm going to go into comics. That was my focus. Right. I even had even had kids by third year when they're kind of realizing like, um, so the kind of the contrast, um, by the time we graduated, it used to be like, I think 80% of the graduating class would get hired. I think we had out of the 90 that graduated, I think five got hired. Wow. And then a lot of kids Oof. went into like flash animation, like in some, you know, just working for peanuts. Oh, yeah, good stuff like flash animation. Mm-hmm. So not stuff they wanted to be doing. It was a really bleak sort of period um, there for animation. And um, so I was, but I was, by my third year, I had people coming up to me because they knew I was into comics and I was doing a few things in comics uh, on the indie side. And they were like, how do you get into comics? Like, tell me a little bit more. I had a few people kind of like wanting to know because they're like, what am I going to do? Like, there's no animation jobs. Yeah, the safety safety net of comic books. The safety, yeah, comics is going to be my future, right? (laughs) And uh, (laughs) so, um, yeah, that was, and that was, (laughs) you know, I was still naive, right? I was, I think I was still really naive to the comics world um, Mm -hmm. at that point. Um, So after I graduated, I had... um, I had a sort of deal in place um, to do an, a book for image through another studio. And this was something I'd been partnering up with another uh, friend of mine from animation. We were sort of co-writing it and co sort of drawing it. He was doing some background stuff. He was really good at like drawing machinery and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. and I was, I was better at the character stuff and, and the final lines. So, um, and we had, uh, liquid who was coloring Joe Matt at the time. Yeah, sure. Right. Hired, hired him. Yeah. To do the, uh, colors on it. I was like, this is my shot. I had always wanted to be an image because I'd grown up, you know, through high school. That's all I looked at. And even to that day, it was still pretty much image, image, image. Um, and then the rug got pulled out for, from under me. I, I don't know what happened cause I never really got the full story. Um, my, my understanding was, I believe that the publisher, uh, was paying us too much. I think they were paying liquid a lot and they were paying me a lot. Uh, my page rate was quite high. 
I negotiated quite a hefty page rate for a first timer. Um, you know, and I, I'd worked with the studio doing some indie projects up to this point and they had paid mm -hmm. me well. Um, but I think probably they were hemorrhaging money. I don't know. I think they threw Jim Valentino under the bus and said that he didn't like the art, which I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he didn't, but, uh, I, I thought it looked great. Um, but they ended up getting another artist to redraw the book. They oh. retitled it and rewrote it and then put it out. And even just like, it was crushing. Wow. Like it was absolutely crushing. I was devastated. Um, I was, you know, up in Canada, they were in the U S I had no money cause I'd been grad. I just graduated in debt, like 40 grand in debt. Right. I'm like, I, I can't take them to court. I don't know what the kind of, I was, <laughs> you know, I'm like 24. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm still kind of an idiot. Like, you know, it's just, um, and so I just, it, it crushed me. Like I didn't, I didn't want anything to do with comics after that. Mm -hmm. it, it destroyed my whole dream. You know, and back then too, there wasn't like a lot of avenues to go and self-publish something or what year is this? This would have been 2002, I believe. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, and it was like, I mean, to be honest, I don't think the book did that well. And there, I think the industry was starting to crumble there too, like around that time. Like I think the image stuff had fizzled. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know, you might know better than me, like when the real downturn in the, after the nineties really happened. Yeah, I mean that, I mean that, you know, when I, when I stepped off of the sinking ship of, of the mm -hmm. industry was at the end of the, of the nineties. So okay. I don't, I mean, it was, I mean, it was really scary at the, you know, that whole 98, 99, 2000, those, that, those three years, it was a real kind of like, well, what is like? It, you felt like the water was rising, and there was only so much land on that that island, and it, right, it was right. just not pretty. And um, yeah, and I, I mean, th but that was you know that was you know chiefly the, you know with the big two. I mean, the big two mm -hmm. were they had made a lot of you know they had made mistakes, and they right. um, they didn't have any revenue, big revenue sources like they do now uh, to sort of keep supplement the machine rolling in that respect so you know things just got chucked you know page rates got cut i mean it was just you know this kind of you know this yeah you saw the writing on the wall yeah yeah and i and listen i once again i don't i didn't have a vision and a plan in this one i just i was experiencing it firsthand i just happened to somebody like point you know they didn't, they didn't even point but a, a, an escape hatch appeared and I'm like, oh, I'll just go in here. And that was that was my solution was I'm just going to open this door and go into the other side and, and and go do a different thing. And it was just. What did you do after comics? So I I so I moved to Atlanta um, to start a studio with Dave Johnson. And okay. so Dave Dexter and a couple other people, we were going to have a studio together and you know, Dave and I were in the same sort of boat in our career where we didn't know if we wanted to keep doing comics. We were, we didn't know. And we were hoping that because we really dug e each other as people and as artists at the time, we thought we would be able to inspire one another to do it. But we were so right. not in that place in our hearts that it wasn't a good, you know, combination for either one of us after a period of time. 
but Dave is amazing. And he, <laughs> he was teaching at a design and advertising school. Um, he oh, was teaching drawing because his wife, uh, his then at the moment, ex-wife w- was a student there. And she had said, Hey, you should teach a class here. And he did. And then he's like, I don't want to beat the school where she is. So you, would you mind subbing? And I said, sure. And I took it over and I took the class over and I'm standing there and I'm teaching these classes and they kept saying, Hey, do you want to teach another class? And at that point, that's when the escape hatch appeared because I'm like, mm. I'm, I'm kind of digging this whole design world. I'm digging this advertising world and and, the, and and nothing was happening with the with the comics. It was just this really bad, you know. I mean, I don't know if it being in Atlanta was a bad move for me in that respect because I mean, I lived in Manhattan, right. so I could go and knock on the editor's door. And right, walk not in. in that. It's funny too because back then, you know, the internet was there, but still having that closeness, you it know, was everything. Being up in Canada, you know, um, in Burlington, like, and it wasn't like there was a lot of even artists in my area that you could like yeah. ask advice for or from and uh, connect with connecting with people was hard. Um, you know, um, unless you were willing to like an, to spend money to go to conventions and maybe meet people there, but yep. sort of being an introverted kid and, and not having a lot of money and being broke, you know, college kid and stuff. Like I didn't really have that, you know, I I'd gone to comic cons a little bit um, when I was promoting the image book. It was the mm-hmm. first time I had gone to, uh, so before we did the image book, I had gotten to go to, um, through the studio I was working with, they paid for me to go to, um, the, uh, Chicago comic-con, which one was it? Uh, Wizard, Wizard con? Was it Wizard I think World? It was, I think it was, yeah. Wizard's World, I think was the probably, the Chicago probably that one. And then, uh, just before we sort of had like, uh, we're going to launch the image book. We'd gone to San Diego. So that was cool to go to San Diego comic-con. Mm-hmm. That was back before it became the movie centric thing. It was. Yeah um you know really cool experiences got to happen through that you know area i met sean galloway for the first time when he was going around with his portfolio very cool with sean galloway so um and uh that's how i got to meet sean uh which was interesting and we kept you know in touch after that um but that was the thing right like if i had more of that maybe it would have felt less daunting and and maybe the comics industry maybe i wouldn't have had such a harsh you know, sort of uh, feeling towards it. If I had been in more of a community of artists and maybe said, oh, this thing happens or, Hey, I know this person wants you to talk to them. Maybe they can help. You know, there wasn't that connection. I kind of felt like the whole door just got slammed. Right. Like, you I know, get, I get the emotional, the emotional, I, I don't think we give enough of that. I mean, it sucks. Listen, the emotional component really can undermine everything in the, mm-hmm. in this regard. And I, I think that, if you don't have it, a if you're not open to it, and b if you don't have it. So if you have it and you're not open to it, it doesn't matter. But if you don't have it, a support network of people who are saying, "Hey, this is what happens," because as you know, well know now, this is what happens. This is right. this is comic books. If you if you've been doing comic books for more than a week, you know, <laughs> you've had you've had projects fall out from underneath you. Like it is that just that's the nature of the business. And right. it's, and, 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 you know, I don't know, you know, it's, a, but listen, man, like, I mean, big, 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 big projects disappear in different businesses. Oh. It's the nature yeah. of things. Oh, yeah. for sure. No, no, hundred percent. And I think again, being young, being naive, 
um, you know, and being a dreamer at the time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're reaching for your goals, you know, you're kind of, you know, everything is, uh, you know, you have tunnel vision, you know, because right. the, the and, dream is not to have this thing fall apart. No, no, you're like, I'm going, I'm, everything's going according to plan at that point, right? Like mm-hmm. everything I had done, well, you know, I told everybody I was going to do comics, I went through animation saying, I'm going to do comics, here comes my big comics break, you know, mm-hmm. everything's going exactly as planned. And then all of a sudden, like, boom, like a bus comes and like crushes my, you know, on my way to the, <laughs> to the finish line. And yeah, so I ended up going into getting a job. Funny you mentioned graphic design. So I ended up doing graphic design for a shoe company. Um, like a fledgling, like not fledgling, but just like a weird local, you know, shoe company it was in Mississauga. And I designed some shoes um, for them for a couple of years. I did a right. lot of their like mark- marketing materials. Um, it was my, a, a good chance for me to f- really get some knowledge in Photoshop. Um, yeah. I got my first like uh, tablet uh, when I was working there. I convinced them to get me a tablet, mm-hmm. you know. I'd spend time like sort of secretly like drawing, <laughs> trying to figure out Photoshop and sure. draw things on the computer. Um, and uh, I did that for a couple of years. I got fired from that. Basically, I think the, the CEO realized that like I didn't want to be there and I didn't. It, mm-hmm. it, but it was an interesting eye opening experience. Uh, you know, it was probably about 27. Uh, I had met my now wife um, while I was in college and we were she had worked at this place uh, as a customer service rep. And said like, hey, you know, they have a, they need a graphic designer. Why don't you come work here? So that's how I ended up getting that job. And um, so, you know, uh, the CEO, no, I didn't run to be there. But while I was there, it was interesting. I got a real look at corporate, like what the corporate world is like. Right. I watched like grown men, like tear down other grown men in the workplace, like mm-hmm. in a, in a, like a, a group meet, like in a company meeting, like just like, you know, browbeat them. Like right. to the point where they're looking down at their shoes. Like it's like crazy. Like the, the level of like when you see these like you know, quote unquote alpha male business mm-hmm. types, like the way they act in the workplace. Like it really, I don't know. It, it was definitely like, I don't want anything to do <laughs> with this corporate world. I need to do something art related, like more like I need to go even more art related. So um, after I, I had gotten let go from that company, it was about six months, uh, an opportunity opened up in London, Ontario uh for a company called big blue bubble they were looking for an artist um they were looking for a pixel artist i didn't know what the hell a pixel was i didn't understand you know i was still kind of new to digital art Mm -hmm. Uh, when they said you know do this like uh game boy size screen it was like gba at the time and uh you know they wanted me to do a mock-up of like a little background Mm -hmm. and i remember sent i drew this like tiny little drawing and it was all the anti-aliasing and and it was like all smudgy and I sent it to them. They're like, that's not what we want at all. Here's what a pixel is. This is what pixel art is (laughs) like dummy. Like they like my, they like my portfolio. I think they saw that I had talent, but they were like, we'll just teach you how to do this. Like Mm -hmm. they ended up hiring me luckily. Um, And I ended up working there for five years. And and, uh, that was like an interesting experience going through like, uh, a young video game company. I was like maybe the 16th employee. By the time I left, they had about 55 people. I would gotten to do like um, art direction. And uh, I was like um, head of their casual games department for a while. I got like to wear a lot of hats and I got, it was a good experience for me. It matured me a lot. Yeah. Um, I got to have like, you know, little things like when you get into these environments where you have to be a leader. Yeah. When you're not, when you're an introverted kid and you like, 
okay, I got to force myself out of these bubbles and stand up in front of a group and explain to them what our game is about, what we're doing, what our tasks are for the day and things like that. So good eye opening experience, but I, you know, the gaming at that time was like iPhone was kind of kicking off around the time when I left and I had gone and started another studio with a friend of mine and we did like a two man studio for about five years and we struggled. This is like during the iPhone kind of boom okay. yeah. uh, of games and there was a lot of money to be had, but it was like it was quickly that window of like who was going to make the money was like really getting narrow. It seemed mm-hmm. like, you know, when we first jumped in, it was going to be like, oh, all these people are making money. It's going to be great. And then it got like, oh, a lot of people are going to make a lot of, I mean, a few people are going to make a lot of money and the rest of you are going to suffer. <laughs> like it, yeah. it became like that really quick. Um, and during that time I had to uh, start, uh, you know, we had our own game studio and we were, didn't have kids at the time. Um, neither of us, me and my business partner, and he was a programmer. I was the artist and uh, we worked crazy days. Like it was, you know, easily 12, 14 hour days almost mm-hmm. every day. And, um, I was doing like half freelancing work in the, while we were at the studio together, we had at his house, I would spend my morning doing freelance. I'd do freelance for other companies like uh, video game studios. And then, um, my little like sort of break back into comics happened around this time because Sean Galloway, who I'd met at San Diego and kept in touch with, he approached me with a project. He was going to, uh, he had gotten this uh, project for uh, World of Warcraft, Pearls of Pandaria. It was a graphic novel, 120 pages. He needed help with layouts. Mm-hmm. And he had a few artists that he was going to bring on to do help with these layouts. Because um, I think the turnaround was pretty quick on this project. And so I was super excited. I'd been playing World of Warcraft quite a bit myself at the time. So I'm like, I know this world. <laughs> I, can, I can reference it when I go, I go into my game and I can reference all the environments that we need. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's in the script. And uh, I banged out my first uh, bunch of layouts. And then he was like, oh my God, you got this done so quick. Do you want to just do the whole book? Because the other guys haven't even like started yet. And like, oh, you're okay. already along and you want to just do the whole layout, the whole book. So I was like, okay, great. And so <laughs> yes, that was please. sort of like, it was like my crash horse back into drawing comics. I really hadn't drawn any comics. Yep. Like since, you know, my early, you know, early twenties, uh, when that mm-hmm. image thing fell through. So I think that was like, um, that was a big moment to get me back. That was like my, it was a positive experience. I loved working with Sean. Um, to this day, he's one of my best friends, like, uh, and, uh, he's, yeah, just encouraging and like, you know, it was that support, you know, you needed like mm-hmm. to kind of like that encouragement, um, positive feedback, you know, like that positive feedback loop, um, you know, just kind of getting my confidence back up and, you know, and then, you know, laying out a, you know, taking a script and laying out a comic, like even though it was just the rough layouts, like, you know, um, you know, it was still, it was just like the storytelling aspect of comics really had, I had to like really dive into my like storyboarding that I learned and like all these things and trying to remember back to reading like Scott McCloud's like, you know, um, right. understanding comics, you know, principles and all that stuff. And it's like this weird crash course that happened. And yeah, so that was great. And then um, as my, uh, I, I also, so around this time, my con my my video game sort of adventure with my friend that had been going on for about five years that was 
seemingly dying. Like we knew we weren't going right. to make enough money. Um, I had had my first kid and um, we had a second kid on the way. And I was like, we, I need to make a living. <laughs> like I need to, mm-hmm. you know, this isn't sure. working out. So, and a lot of opportunities to start to open up. Um, uh, Instagram, I was doing a lot of fan art of these chibis. It's sort of what okay. I became known for at the time. And those kind of like in the first, I'd say about a year after doing those, I started getting hit up by like a bunch of studios. Um, Marvel had hit me up to design their whole superhero adventures line that they had for their toddler stuff. So I ended up doing that um, for about two and a half years. Paid really well. I was able to like, you know, I got a job with like doing design toy designs for Hasbro from that work, Mm -hmm. from that um, chibi stuff I was doing. And just jobs started to flow. It was like this weird, like as soon as the Instagram sort of popped off and I was up to like 100,000 followers relatively quickly, like within about six months, I'd gone from like maybe 20,000 to like 100,000. It was just like, it's really ramped up. And um, that exposure, I think, really helped my career on the freelance Mm -hmm. side. So then I was like kind of, you know, doing a lot of design stuff, like just, you know, the, the, like I said, like the stuff that would go on, like all the PJs and the, you know, bedspreads and backpacks and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then, and then the toy stuff, um, you know, and, uh, Sean had me do while I was doing that. I was, I did like a Batman black and white with him that, um, I got the inking credit for also like a, uh, adventures of Superman. So Sean was kind of like my, like, he was, he was holding me into the comic world a little bit, you know, he's like yeah. my anchor into the comic world. Um, you know, and I really, uh, you know, appreciate him and I always will for kind of bringing me back into comics. Sorry, yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah. And I think that, that sort of sparked me to sort of like finally do my own comics. Like, I think that was, that was the thing. Like, I think I, I had this real weird epiphany when I was like 30, about 39, that I'm like, you know what? I can do comics on my own terms. Mm-hmm. There's these, like, a lot of people were doing it. Had a lot of, like, I'd seen, like, um, uh, Headlopper was a big yeah, Andy. there. Yeah, Andrew's, Andrew McClain. Yeah. yeah, really talented dude. Um, Matt Smith doing Barbarian Lord. Mm-hmm. That was a big one. Um and uh yeah and it sort of just like inspired me i'm like you know what these guys these artists are writing their own stuff i need to just do this i can write it myself um i i'd sort of had this weird thing that happened when i had my video game studio where i don't know like what it was but i really wanted to not have to rely on anyone else to Mm -hmm. further my career Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to be able to take it into my own hands. And uh, so I'm like, if I do everything, <laughs> then <laughs> I'm in full control of like, sure. you know, when it gets done, if it gets done, mm-hmm. I do it at my own pace. It ended up being like the perfect little, you know, and, and, and so, you know, seeing these people do these independent, more independent comics. Um, I think that was sort of like that fueled my drive to go like, hey, I'm going to do this. And that's when I, decided I would try to do, uh, that's when I drew Rune World. Um, and I got lucky that like pretty much like right away, I got picked up by Boom Studios, mm-hmm. uh, the book. 
And um, that was a little bit of a high pressure situation. I had drawn the first uh, two issues, um, but I had to, uh, I suddenly had a schedule. I had to, I had an editor I needed to work with. Yeah. So I had to write a proper comic script suddenly, you know, cause I didn't want to hand in what I had normally done. Normally I was just draw, like writing on the page sure, like, as right. I went. Right. And like out of respect for my editor, I'm like, I can't do that to, to her. That's not fair. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to write actual proper scripts. And um, that was an interesting experience. Again, a little bit of a crash course and like trying to write a comic script, trying to make it make sense. Um, also having that page count, like knowing like, okay, I got this many pages to tell this story. Um, definitely challenging at times. There are things when like, you know, you're, when you're in the weeds and you're, you're realizing like, okay, all these things I want to do, all these ideas I have for my characters and arcs, they're going to have, how am I going to pay those arcs off? Right. Like yeah. what, and you know, I have this many pages. So I, you know, you start doing the math right? You're breaking mm-hmm. down like all little scenes and you're like, okay, this scene, I'm only going to have two pages. How am I going to make that work? This scene, maybe I, I need at least four to get this done. You know, there's, right. and you're doing this kind of like weird comic math, um, you know, and uh, which I'm sure you're very familiar with. And so, yeah, it was a really interesting eye-opening experience. I don't know if I loved that, like holding that page count. I don't know if right. I loved that. Um, I felt the story at times like wasn't as good as it could have been because I, if I had more time to let a, a scene breathe or pace it a little better or, you know, uh, not have to shoehorn in exposition mm-hmm. because like, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of exposition, but yeah, at times when it. you're like, I have to get to the finish line. So here comes the exposition. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Right. Exactly. There's, yeah, there, 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 there are no travel scenes, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Um, no, it's, and- but it's how do you like so i'm um, a interesting thought about this is that like you're so i mean you're you you're you're encountering far more constraints than you probably had had before you know mm-hmm. in your in your creative creative process um you know having to sit and write a script there's a constraint versus just doing the artist writing which is like thumbnails and you know notes and putting it all together right. And then the other, you know, the other one is, you know, this, this time factor, you know, like they're like, okay, cool. We're, we're in business together. We need this for this time. And it's a very different kind of sense sensibility to go, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. I, I I have to, you know, and I I mean, for me, I love every one of these things because to me, these are the things that make me actually do the thing in a way that I wouldn't have if I was just left alone. Like, I'm like, okay, I need to come up with these solutions. Um, But do you think now, having done, you know, a bunch more work after, you know, to this date than you did then, Mm -hmm. do you think you would feel as constrained by, you know, the page count? Do you think you could have been more economical and still delivered what you think is fully satisfying story? Um, yeah, I certainly, I think my approach, I would have had a better, um, you know, sort of, uh, appreciation for the pre-production side of storytelling. Um, you know, how, you know, really it's, it's setting a good foundation for the story like mm-hmm. early on and, you know, really, I don't know. I, I think if, I think if I was going to be approached to do another, you know, uh, single issues story, yeah, I would really want to dissect 
what's important, what's not mm-hmm. important. And, you know, rather than it was a bit of a like, because I had gone from my sort of weird artist version, like you mentioned, of like writing on the page and in the, in the you know, thumbnails and stuff, you know, to do half the book like that, essentially, and then do the other half of the proper script. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure how much like i'm i'm not sure how much like better that story would have been if i would have just gone from the beginning maybe just writing a script right from the start right you know so like that's something and i think i've been scared to kind of do that since i uh-huh. you know I, I i did do it for when i did i hate fairyland uh short story for scotty it was only 10 Scotty's pages yeah. and you know and again working with an editor anytime i work with an editor i want to give them a proper script and so that's the best way to sort of approach that and um, certainly that was easier. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I, I'm still a little bit gun shy about doing a proper script still. I, I, I get it. I mean, you know, like I was terrified when I had to write a script and I wasn't mm-hmm. terrified about writing the story. Like I, I understood my story on my, the first thing I ever did, but I was terrified to put the words down of what the characters would say like i had this because real... does it cement it like is that is it the cementing i, I think so like I, I, yeah and i think i think i understood i understood that that was a weakness in so many things when you when you read something or watch something and the dialogue is terrible you're mm-hmm. like it feels so amateur you know it feels it yeah. feels very like you know school play kind of thing where you're like oh you know a little gr- you know real cringy and right I think I really was afraid of committing to that, you know, early on, Mm -hmm. but, and and so I kind of really, I internalized this idea of like, Oh, I'm not a writer. Like I've just, look, clearly I'm not a writer, even though I can come up with stories left, right and center, I'm not a writer because I can't do this. And then I can look back on my archives and just see page after page, after page, after page of written stories, not thumbnailed stories, but written stories. I'm like, Oh, okay. I was a writer. I just didn't give myself that sort of like, you know, I didn't step over that threshold to take, to take the risk and, you know, you know, and, you know, and, and get the punishment to grow, you know? So right. I, I, I mean, your instinct is the instinct of every person who draws is to, right. you know, is to draw it out. And then, you know, so you're sort of like smushing the clay around to say, yeah, that's the shape that I want. And, and, yeah. and kind of go from there, but you know, talk. You know, when I talk to some artists who are doing stories, that they have to, like, when they get an editor, they, it's like, well, I got to put it on a paper. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like it goes back to like that art school thing that I remember hearing. Of well, you need to learn. You need to practice painting because it's going to make you right. better at drawing, and the drawing is yeah. going to make you better at painting. Like, I think there's the only way you're going to get better as an as a, as an artist is to do another task in the process, but not sort of do it the, you know, the, the, the homespun version of the, you got to do it the sort of the pro version to think that like nobody else, like you're not going to be involved in this project beyond whatever that thing is. So if you're writing a script, that script's going off and it's good. It's, it's never going to be in your hands until you get to 
do a, a language pass at the end, go like, oh, right, well, right, right. change the balloons here. Um, and like coloring would be the same way or lettering would be the same way. Like if you can think of it in the terms of like, you're never going to have any other control in this process, you got to handle it just like, you know, the, you know, John Workman would handle the lettering or, you know, or Matt Hollingsworth would handle the coloring. Like you just go, okay, how do they do it? Right, Not how right, they right. Do it, but How would you do it if you were they? Um, so I don't know, like I would like, you know, we're jumping ahead here, but I would just say like my, my, the biggest advice I always say is like, write it for somebody else, write somebody else's story, like right. do a comic book, but don't draw it, write it. Yeah. 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 Cause you're at that yeah. point you were learning to communicate in a, you know, in a way that is going to inspire an artist to do something amazing, mm-hmm. which is the hope and to directly connect with a reader like and that's because that's the goal the goal is yeah. for the reader to be you know opening up the thing and going whoa you know this is a great story you know because then because yeah. i mean if you know if we're writing it and drawing it we're fixating in post <laughs> Look, i could change oh. that oh yeah yeah and i think that's the that's a crutch um at times you know obviously it can be better for the book at the end um but that sort of like having that power to go in and just like go like i'm going to scrap this whole section and i'm just going to redo it like this because i think this is going to play better um you know fighting that urge to change everything or change nothing um you know when it, it comes to my writing style as well i kind of have a bit of a hybrid like i'm a my initial like process is I'm going to write a quick little paragraph about my initial thought I have that pops in my head. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll jot it down in a Google doc. And then if I want to explore that further, I might explore a scene. I might have a scene that kind of plays out in my head. And I try to jot that down as best I can. It's not a full comic script, but I try to do it that way. And I think for specific scenes that like feel like they're more impactful, I will write those ones out a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, I will probably change that 10 times, but at least that initial writing does happen. It is the quickest way, even more so than thumbnailing. Thumbnailing, you know, can still be a slow process. I can get hung up on a panel. You know what I mean? Like I want to be able to kind of blast through the idea as quickly as I can. So writing is a good tool for that. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to, I don't know what it is. I, always want to and it's this urge to draw like to get to the drawing right because i want it i need to see it like it's this weird this visualization at least in the thumbnail stage i think this is my favorite stage is the thumbnailing like when Mm -hmm. i can thumbnail at a page and i basically know like okay i'm gonna have a voice bubble here and i'm gonna do this here and then this action happens and when i start to see it unfold like Mm -hmm. that's that's where the excitement is and then you know, less fun with the actual doing the artwork than yeah, actually. No, I totally, I you know totally what I mean? Agree. Totally agree. <laughs> it's almost like I'm trying to, my drawing process, like my finalizing is trying to hold on to the magic that it's, was in the thumbnail. It's impossible. It is. It's and so, it's like, each, it's almost like seeping out. It's like you're, you know, in a ship and it's sinking and the, all the good stuff's coming out. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's that it's that thumbnail it's that initial sketch that shape mm-hmm. and you're like this is it and it, man it, it is so hard i mean i'm sure the tools of, you know being able to take that in photoshop and slap it up you know to, to scale and then 
be able to draw on top of that probably improves sort of securing some semblance of that. But, yeah. you know, back in the day when we only had like a Xerox machine available to us, um, like it was so much was lost in translation. Just it was this terrible, you know, sense of like, man, there, it used to be, you know, you have this whole sort of like, you know, lament of each panel kind of from that thing. Um, I get it. I totally get that sensibility. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so like a good, it's a good sort of experiment I'm going through of realizing this sort of like from thumbnail to final. So my series that I've been working on Crimson Fall, my first book I did in black and white and with like essentially like a pencil line was like my final line. Mm -hmm. And there was a certain looseness to that. And I really enjoyed that. It was almost like, you know, I could keep the gesture. I didn't really have to tighten up too much. And um, it just kept energy in there. And now for my second book, because I'm sort of, I'm weird. I'm all over the place. As an artist, I like doing different things. I like experimenting with different things, even though it still takes place in the same world and it's the same characters. For this book, I wanted to try to do my sort of like full color, almost Mignola you know, mm -hmm. with hard shadows, you know, spot blacks and just seeing if I can pull that kind of look kind of off of like this sort of weird hybrid. And that process of doing more of the like solid blacks and hard ink lines and color, it's that's what I'm fighting with. Like even now as I work on it, yeah, that's my biggest struggle is that I'm, I look back at the black and white, you know, 24 pager I did. And I love the energy of that. And not that I don't have the energy in the new one, but it's just, it's, it's different. It's a different vibe. And I, mm -hmm. and I, and I struggle and I, I talked to my wife about them. Like, should I go and redraw it? Like, like the old book, but it's not as commercial. The look is yeah. not as commercial. And so I start to go like, Oh, maybe this series would be, it'd be nice to maybe get this series published maybe at some point. Mm -hmm. Um, so doing a more finalized, you know, hard line color is maybe the way to go. And I think, you know, uh, you know, that was sort of it. And I don't know, man, but as an artist, you just, there's something that like tells me like, oh, there's just something in that energy of like almost like capturing. Cause it, it did, my, it was the best, the closest I had gotten to capturing that thumbnail stage right. was that first, first book. And, um, you know, even on Witcher Wickerson, because I had to do that so quickly because I was doing it for an October challenge. So I was doing a page a day and I did not have time to really refine everything. Right. Yeah. I kept it loose. Um, you know, I think that's where I sort of like, I don't know, would love to live all the time is in that sort of keeping that energy going. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Like as artists, we just like, but I, I, I like to try different <laughs> things and ch challenge myself. So it's like, yeah. pull myself out. I'm comfortable. Like as I get comfortable with something, I want to go and try something completely different. I have Which this is urge great. To, yeah. Yeah. But I can't like, I don't know. It's weird because it's hard to build a career go, on that. <laughs> it is. No, it, like, I mean, and, and so like, and here's the weird thing. And it, we could talk a little bit about how I actually like, you know, do comics on the side for this reason, because comics don't make my money. Like, I mean, right. it, I make some money. It's great, but they don't pay my bills. My, mm -hmm. all my design work, uh, illustration stuff that pays my bill. So I, I can kind of afford to be a little bit of a, you know, snobbish artist that goes, I'm going to do it my way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go do my own little experimental comic. I'm going to do it in the format. I want to do it. I'll do it in, 
you know, square format if I want. I'll do a a, a big book. I'll do a hardcover. I'll do a little zine. I'll do like, I'll do whatever I want. You're answering all the questions in my head as I read your stuff. I'm (laughs) I'm like, why did he do this as square? I'm like, oh, he's a dilettante. Okay. Okay. I get it. Now he's going to do it his way. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, I just want yeah, it's that weird thing. Like, you know, when I did bot nine and I, I wanted to challenge myself to do a comic without any words, like, mm-hmm. I'm like, what if I'm not leaning on the script? Right. Um, you know, I'm not leaning on the dialogue to get me through, like, what, how can I get, can I do a book like that? Mm-hmm. You know? And, you know, I think in the, those challenges and maybe because it's like a side gig and I need that motivation to kind of keep me going because right. those side gigs you know you're doing it in your downtime you're doing it on the weekends you're doing it in the evenings um you know you're kind of suffering through the you know the uh, missing your family and you know sure locking yourself in your studio and so you need those little bits of motivation to be like here's this it's this challenge and once i get it done it's like this weird you know satisfying you know it's like oh I think I pulled it off, you know, that feeling of like, I'm pretty sure I pulled this off. And then that feeling is pretty good, but it's scary. Yeah. But I don't know. It's funny. It's funny. When you were talking about it, I was thinking about the, you know, the challenge of writing um, versus drawing. And I think what the thing about writing, when you really do explore the story Mm -hmm. and the characters in word, you are explore you you are you are stretching your imagination in ways rather than going down the familiar grooves of the road of a pencil in your hand like there's that sort of like okay let me figure it all out you know through sketching which is which is fine but it's not the same thing they're very they're, they're two very different kind of ways of sort of seeing something you know, one is seeing something with infiniteness in your mind, and the other right. one is seeing how do I flesh something out, you know, on a piece of paper uh, with you know with lines. Um, and it's a big it's a big challenge. And I think like, you know, I mean, it sounds to me like when you want to challenge yourself with all your different sort of methods each time, mm-hmm. you know, you might you might want to like go like start looking into different writing people way people do writing for scripts and go okay let me try this let me try this you know maybe you want to write a script which is just a plot you know don't put any dialogue in there and then go back into dialogue later i mean write a full script where you're you know going full alan moore and detailing everything out of the thing to give yourself because you may take a whole bunch of heavy lifting off on the drawing side for yourself to go okay now i'm going to solve all these problems you know as a designer almost Mm -hmm, mm-hmm No, for Um, sure. Yeah. And, you know, you were also talking about like, you know, we were talking about the the sort of the loss of spontaneity from, you know, from sketch to sort of full finished work. And I think there's that bit of each layer sort of is a focusing effort. Mm -hmm. And each focus effort kind of, smooths out a lot of the the sort of the that that you know the 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 sketchy lines that get you to that cool kind of all right that's a great shape you know but then you erase all those lines after you ink it so the all that like that stuff kind of goes away and it's it's super tough i mean and you see the jobs you know people do you know you look man that anchor did such a great job on that on that artist you know you can see it where it works in a way that is such an improvement 
you go, oh, wow, this is mm-hmm. this is killer. Um, yeah, I, know, I, I get it. But I love that you're trying to challenge yourself with each project, like giving yourself like, what's your what's your, you know, what's your incentive? Yeah, like I, I think, you know, I worry about being like stagnant as an artist and not growing. Um, not, I always want to get better. Um, you know, that's something I just, I push for. Like, I don't know if I'll ever lose that sort of feeling of just like put, trying to push myself. Like I, I get inspired by a lot of things that I see. I'll see some other artists doing something maybe a certain way. And I'm like, oh, I kind of want to see if I can figure that out. Or, mm-hmm. you know, there's just, um, I don't know. It's just, I think it's that just constantly like chasing you know, that I'm chasing Paul, you know, really, if you want to get psychological about it, you know, if you want to bring it back, you know, it's, it's that, you know, I'm chasing that, you know, cause there's so many Pauls out there. Yes. You know, and, uh, there's, there's an infinite amount of them and, you know, you know, maybe to somebody, I may be somebody's Paul, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's like that, that idea, I think that, you know, there's just, you know, and the, the, the amount of talent on it, and maybe it's social media, like really opened it up like huge. You just see so many different things happening, you know, like I'll just follow an artist yesterday. And they only, a lot of their art is done with like just vertical hatch lines. And I'm like, that is such a cool, like, it's just such a cool, like we see somebody just doing it and you're like, right. oh, I'd love to try to like figure that out. You know, you just, like, I see yeah. these things and I'm like, you know what? Like, maybe I can do that. You know, uh, I did some block printing stuff just because, you know, I spent like two months trying to figure out block printing. I didn't get really good at it, but you know, carving and, and all that stuff, just cause I'm like, I saw some cool block carving stuff. I'm like, I want to try that out. Um, you know, as artists, like, you know, I think it's, I've seen, and maybe this is another thing too. I've seen certain artists and, you know, Okay, so Magnola is a good point. Like, so Magnola, like, you know, his early stuff, I'm such a big Magnola fan. And when he finally landed where he landed with, like, his style for Hellboy, like, seeing the growth and seeing, like, you know, maybe I'm chasing that a little. Like, I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, like, he just kind of, like, hit this pinnacle. And I'm like, I don't know if I'll ever find my pinnacle like mignola like you know sort of just like oh this is because everything he seems to do which is perfect like if when i look at him like he's, sure he's nailed it like you know what i mean like he's perfected he found in, in in his mind he's probably like i'm trying to get better all the time you know what i mean like i'm yeah. sure he doesn't think that but as an outsider i look at it and i go oh he's he's like not that he's peaked but it's like you just you've you've transcended <laughs> into this like you know uh art form and I think part of me maybe looks at that and I go like, I want to, I don't know if I'll ever find my little thing where I've like, Oh, I've really nailed what I kind of mm-hmm. want to do. And, and there's, I think I'm a little jealous when I see somebody like Mignola who sort of settled in mm-hmm. to a style and it's so well crafted and, you know, and I, and I don't know if I'll ever find that for myself. I don't know if I will. Uh, yeah. You know I mean, I'm but saying? Yeah, I mean, but like that's you know that's that was also like thirteen, fourteen years into his career, you know, of oh, of, being, sure. of doing comics, you know. I mean, 
you know, 10 year earlier version of Mike is not bad. Like it is very, no, 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 it's, it's still great. Like he's still, he was, he was super talented back when he's doing his Marvel stuff. And and listen, I love, I love Hellboy, but like my favorite stuff of his, I mean, his Fafford and Grey Mouser stuff Mm. and his, his follow up with, uh, Iron Wolf, like all within a matter of like two years is Mm -hmm. like, for me is like my favorite stuff, but that's also because it's like, P. P. Craig Russell is inking him and Howard Chaikin's writing. It's like all these kind of great people who I love all doing getting together and doing fantasy and adventure. I'm like, well, you know, that's, that's a slam. It was the perfect combo. It was like the perfect stew. Right. Yeah. But then like, and I, and I mentioned it not too long ago on the show that there was that summer that Mike did so many covers, maybe not a summer, but like a year for DC comics. He did all these covers like Elseworlds covers left and right. And you can see this evolution of style heading right towards Hellboy. Like it is this crazy, like month after month, getting closer and closer to what he ended up doing. And you're like, oh, this is great. And you can, you almost see him figuring it out. Oh like yeah. Him, yeah. Yeah. It's right it there. And it's were you, cool. were you reading his comics back then? Like, so you were dialed in at that oh, time. Yeah. 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 So I mean, you would like, go to the comic shop and see the new one. Yeah. Like well, how exciting, the, like, you know, I don't know if like, that was your experience, but yeah. I mean, listen, I fortunate enough. I was on the, we were on the comp list. So all those DC covers came into the studio every month. Oh, okay. So we weren't, you know, but yes, they were on the count. They were on the, you know, the shelves and, you know, I mean, I was, like I said, I was reading his stuff back, you know, in the eighties when he did like Corum, um, which was a, you know, a, a, an adaption of a, uh, fantasy series. Like, and he did, I mean, he did all these really cool, really big kind of story stuff, you know, that he was the artist for back in the eighties. And, but, you know, he, he never really, I mean, never like nobody really hooked onto him at Marvel or DC, like as a, like a monthly kind of thing. It was, it wasn't until, you know, Gotham by Gaslight, which was sort of his big, you know, thing. Um, but then everyone loved him and he was brilliant. And then boom, he yeah. does Hellboy. And it, you know, I think, you know, what you, what you're also loving is the, is Hellboy. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he, he found the thing that he loves to do and right. that afforded him a playground where he could go in and go back and do his thing each time versus kind of having to reinvent himself, which is what he was doing previously. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing Fafford and the Grey Mouse. I love that book series. What's my interpretation of that? Okay. I'm going to do an interpretation of Howard's comic sort of from the seventies. What's my take on that? Like, I don't think it wasn't until he made his thing that was his thing that he wanted to do where he had the opportunity to, to go back in anytime he wanted and work on that and make it something, you know, more and more him. Yeah, for sure. No. And I think that, yeah. And like, so I think that journey he had, I mean, obviously so important to like where he landed. And I, and I imagine too, like, you know, it's like I've been doing comics now for, I guess on and off. I mean, not the full-time schedule. You know, I've done four, four books. Yeah. Four books and some shorts and stuff. So, I mean, my, my, my toe in comics is just kind of there. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a toe. I have a toe in the comics world, <laughs> you know? And, uh, 
you know, and I'm certainly, you know, I, I, I love it. I wish it paid more. Yeah. That would be well, great. Yeah. Of and course. Like, you know, what, 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 a you know, and I'm, I'm fortunate that I have a fan base that's willing to support my books, mm -hmm. you know, that I can even justify making them. I think that's, you know, I'm definitely grateful for that. And I think that having, you know, positioned myself that I can, you know, sort of keep experimenting and keep, you know, trying to, you know, find, you know, what, what interests me and what keeps me going is, is something I don't take for granted, you know, and, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like, I, I just did Inktober and I was like, I've been reading a lot of like manga and I'm like, you know what? I want to get back into dip pens. I haven't done dip pens since I was <laughs> like 17, 18, you right. know, when I was first, you know, you know, you first get your first dip pen from like, yeah. you know, and, uh, trying to figure it out and scratching the hole in the paper and, you know, but I, I spent the month I was using dip pens. I was using screen tones that I'd never really, really tried. I'd tried them a little bit here and there, but I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to try to do traditional screen tones. And it was just such a fun, I had so much fun during October this year. Yeah. Just doing fan art with like, you know, manga sort of style, you know, tools. Like it was just such a fun, like, and I just, I don't know, like, I, it, I don't know if I'll ever lose that, you know, sort of urge to, to experiment and then when i when i sort of pull it off to a certain degree and i feel like you know i don't nail everything but i'm like you know certain things i'm picking up along the way and mm -hmm. and maybe i'm you know sort of slowly frankensteining myself something into together. something and yeah and maybe 10 years from now and you know in my 50s maybe i'll hit that sort of aha moment where i'm like you know what i've sort of i feel comfortable sitting here but i don't know well, <laughs> i don't yeah, know i mean <laughs> I guess, I mean, like, I think it, I think the thing is, is like, if you, you know, like using the manual of reference again, is like, if you can build that sandbox, then you mm -hmm. have an opportunity to kind of do, to do that. And you've built a different kind of sandbox than Mike did. Mike built a sandbox in the traditional form. He right. built a career and a name in the comic book industry by being an inker, a cover artist and doing limited series. Okay, mm -hmm. here I am. I've done these things, and everybody. Yeah. And he's he's a he's a favorite among fans and a favorite among artists. And then he hits upon the thing that's his thing, and everybody yeah. like responds positively. You know, I mean, like Crimson Falls could be your thing. You know, like that that yeah. could, you know it could be your thing. I mean, it, it's it's you you know as you said, it's inspired by Hellboy. It's inspired by like The Witcher. You know. Mm -hmm maybe even a bit of head lopper in there, you know, like there's yeah. this cool quality to it, but it's this world that you're like, I like this world. And, mm -hmm. you know, and if you have a character that you really like coming back to and you have a world that you want to keep in, in investigating, right. You know, that, you know, that draw may end up being more powerful than saying, I want to do a dip pen, you know, short eight page comic, you know, right. That might be a fun project, but it might not be what you want to want to do. Right, right, right. No, for sure. No, I think, yeah. and you know, it's funny because I, I had, I think it was about maybe four years ago, I listened to Mignola in an interview and he talked about Hellboy being his sandbox to tell the stories he wanted to tell. And mm -hmm. that little line, I was like, one day I want to create my little 
you know, sort of Hellboy-ish world that yeah. I can tell my sort of darker stories in that I have in my head and, you know, and I can sort of tap into that and not obviously, you know, trying to emulate a Hellboy is crazy. I mean, don't, I'm not even, but in my own way, you know, mm-hmm. having my own little, creating my own little sandbox like that. Um, but I guess it's like, you know, like you said, you know, all my books are kind of in my sandbox because it's, you know, whether it's, you know, I get to play, right. like whether it's, you know, I want to do, you know, a kid's story or like a middle school story or, you know, violent, crazy, you know, swear fest, um, right. you know, I, I can do that, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, I didn't want to pigeonhole myself, um, you know, going back to my chibi stuff that sort of made me popular one of the reasons I sort of broke away from it is because I got scared that I was becoming that guy. And okay. that's scared. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, cause it was like, you know, my artwork, I mean, that stuff has been stolen. I don't know how many times like copied, like it's a, it's a weird thing to be, you know, to sort of, uh, you know, sort of, I guess, have your work kind of, you know, take, take almost take, uh, you lose control of it. Yep. Like it's a, it's a, you know, I almost kind of lost control of it and I, and I didn't, I didn't, it didn't feel like I owned it as much anymore. Right. Um, you know, for various reasons and, uh, you know, so I don't know. And maybe that was part of it as well. Um, you know, experiencing that, seeing it sort of, you know, and just sort of uh, ever since then kind of trying to reinvent myself, um, and not Mm -hmm. just you know, pigeonhole myself in one thing. I mean, and partially too, um, you know, my, the longevity of my career as an artist has come from me being a bit of a chameleon. Like mm-hmm. I found like whenever I, you know, would get a freelance job or like when I was working in video games, having the ability to draw a few different ways yep. really helped, you know, make me a valuable asset to a company and to yes. an art director you know, that art director could come to me and say, we need it to look like this. Can you do something that's similar to that? And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, for a long time, I even struggled to find my own style, like in my thirties, because I was so much a chameleon of just, what do you need me to draw? I'll figure it out and I'll kind of draw it that way. And, but it kept me employed. They kept me, you know, putting food on the table. And so maybe a part of that still just is always kind of maybe drilled into my head, Mm -hmm. even as I do work for myself. You know, um, I don't want to become stagnant, but at the same time, like, you know, seeing like if you if you go through my Instagram, you'll see just me all over the place. Like I'm scattered. Right. Maybe that's part of the ADHD of, you know, or whatever. You know, maybe I have it a little bit in terms of like, you know, the ways I want to draw or, Mm -hmm. you know, um, yeah, and the styles and stuff. But like, yeah, because it's it's all over the place. And I I don't know if that's. You know, I've I've been able to build a successful art career doing it that way. Um, so I mean, I, I don't know if I would necessarily change it, but there is times when I go, you know, should I settle in to something? Well, there's two there are two different things. You know, mm-hmm. like you're discussing two different things. You're t- you one is your is your career as an illustrator slash designer. Like mm-hmm. your job is to do that. You know, my job as a designer isn't to give the client what I want. My job is to give them what they need. And like, that's, that's, that's how that goes. And, you know, I got some, you know, advice early on from my mentor, even before I got into business, I was still in art school. And he said, like, I'm not an artist. Like, 
I, I make product and he was a comic right. book artist, but he was like, I make product. I make, that's all I do. And I, 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 you know, I, I morph my style to what the subject of the product is to get the product done. And that's how right. it goes. And, you know, for better or for worse, I adopted that mentality and, um, that, you know, so like, I never, ever consider myself an artist, you know, I, I married an artist and that's her job is to, to be a unique voice of her own. And uh-huh. I, it, it took a long, long battle until five ish years ago when I started writing my own stuff. So first thing I've ever done for me, right? Like, I never did anything for me. I worked right. for Marvel, I worked for Dark Horse, I worked for DC, I worked for all these different corporations solving their problems. Right. It wasn't me. <laughs> and now, and now yeah. you have to solve your problems. Uh-huh. Do you find like, you know, you know, cause you've dove so much into the writing side of things. Does the art, do you, do you want to inject your art back into those projects? Do you have that urge to kind of find that again? I, 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 every so often I get this little flash of like, Oh, I'd like to do, I can't remember who I was talking. Um, Oh, I had a really, really uh, an upcoming episode with uh, Paolo Rivera, and we were talking afterward, you know, and like he's got stuff that he wants to do, you know, and he's like, but I'm gonna have to like figure it out. I'm gonna have to do like an eight pager, and then I'm gonna have to do like a single issue. I'm gonna mm-hmm. have to like work up to what I, I want to do as a writer and artist in that combination, and. Would I love to, yeah, sure, sure. I'd love to have enough money in the bank account where I wouldn't have to think about like anything and draw a comic book. But mm-hmm. you know, the, the the comic book that I want to draw is going to be too laborious, you know, for me to sit okay. and just like. I know. I know. I know that feeling, and that's probably why I I try to keep my projects small, yeah, so that small. I can sort of still do that and not have a. I I don't write epics. You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, I like to write, you know, contained smaller stories, you know, that are more manageable in that sort of sense, because yes, like that same thing where you're like, how much time can I dedicate? You know, like right. there's times when my wife and I will discuss, you know, okay, I want like to have this done for say this convention, mm-hmm. you know? So in order to, for that to happen, I need about two months off of my freelance work. Right. And, you know, so we're going to have to set aside money and how good, how long are we good for, you mm-hmm. know, or what, and I'll work my butt off to like, you know, freelance gigs and, and build up a bit of a nest egg to then go, okay, I'm going to take two months. And then, you know, and it's, it's tough. Like it's tough, but it's, I don't know. Part of me is like, I rather, I, the satisfaction of holding the book, even if it's small, yeah, it's just I don't know. Like it's there's a there, I can't. There's not a better feeling apart from like my kids being born and like getting married. Like I don't know right. if there's a better feeling than holding that thing in your hand and going, yeah. "I did this. I finished this thing. Even if it's not perfect, I finished it, mm-hmm. and it's done. And I and I can sell it. And right, you know. And then that's almost like it's like a weird drug, you know, that yeah. I've sort of you know been chasing now for a few years, and. Yeah, so then that's part of the reason why I keep them small. I, I had ideas that were larger, and I go, I gotta, I'm not ready. I'm not ready in my life for something that's like 100 and you know 60 pages. It's too. You know what it's I mean? too, like 
But yeah, I mean, we're, like we said, this is two different jobs you're talking about. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's a there's this career thing and then there's this other thing, which is, you know, comics. And they're, you know, they're not a casual affair. Like, let me just say, like, comics <laughs> as much, yeah, as much as I would love affair. it. To, no. Yeah. So, but, you, yeah, I mean, the, the beauty of comics, though, is that and I mean, this is sort of like, you know, from the indie space to the pro spaces, like they come in all shapes and sizes. Unbelievable. And so. And so it's like, whether you're like, I'm going to do a three panel comic and I'm going to throw mm-hmm. it online. Like, you know, the beauty of comics is, is that, you know, you can sort of like, uh, you know, sort of scratch that itch, you know, on any level you want, whether it's your super epic fantasy tale like, that goes on for, you know, ever pages of <laughs> forever, never ends uh, to, yeah, your quick little, you know, you know, shit, even a one panel comic, you know, like it's, yep. um, it's that's where I think comics are beautiful because like, yeah. you know, you can really just fit it within your lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that's why I sort of like, I like to try to encourage artists that like want to say, start getting into comics. I'm like, do a quick, small story yes, and finish it and have it begin to, you know, uh, have it finished, have something done. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can print it great, when you hold that thing, it's just such a, such a high the mini, listen, man, the mini comic is, it's the mini comic. Like everyone, mm. like everybody who wants to do comics, do mini comics, just yeah. do them because the barrier to entry is negligible and the satisfaction level is super high. And like, if you I mean for the people, the stories of people I know who've made their mini comic took to a convention and sold, you know, all 50 copies or all a hundred copies or whatever it is like, how mm-hmm. great is that for them? Like how wonderful right. it's so beyond like, wow, right on high five. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and you know, it's funny, like I love, um, we have TCAF in Toronto, Toronto comics and arts mm-hmm. festival. And you see that breadth of like, you know, from the final like published stuff to the people's little zines, and you know it's just such a sea of like everything that comics can be in one convention it's literally my favorite show i'll go around like i used to go before i'd go as an artist i'd go as a fan it was like the one show i'd like to just go and just buy i'm buying like 20 30 different comics because it's like oh there's just all so many shapes and sizes and it's just exploration and artistry and you know weird experimental storytelling and Mm -hmm. just you know, it can be so many different things. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, and it, you know, when you say too, like, I would love to see you do one like that, like do like you have aspirations like yourself about doing those, like a small zine for yourself or something. Yeah. Like just to- Man, I wish, I wish I, 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 my personal ambition always like, super like exceeds my time my time like i I'm, I'm the kind of person who's like cool but what if it's this and this and this and this you know and then next thing you know it's this huge thing again like i, I have a very <laughs> right. hard time like i'm just gonna do this thing on a very small scale like it, it, right. it's just it's a terrible thing i i like building things like there's a there's an internal thing that i love to build something and grow something and make something a thing um and i thought like okay well just being a writer uh, that that's an easier way for me to kind of contain myself in some sense but the problem Mm -hmm. is this comic book artist that you know 
has been in me my whole life. It's right. very hard to like stifle that all the time. Like at times these moments come you out. You feel like, like it's like a, it's a caged beast. <laughs> There's like this caged beast inside of you. It's like, let me out, yeah. Alex, let me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me grab that pencil. Let me just grab that pencil. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it is very much like that. And, you know, of course, you know, there are, <laughs> there are, um, skills that diminish quickly and in life you know when you don't apply them over and over again and keep the practice up drawing is definitely one of those things like yeah it does it does the muscle it's a weird yeah like drawing is a muscle and Mm -hmm. it's not like you can't build that muscle back up again no no but it does take time and dedication to to reinvigorate that those muscles and yeah like i can i can i can like if I got a phone call, the email, whatever from a client saying, Hey, I need to have an illustration of something. I can, you know, grind it out and I'll grind it out and it'll look great. You know, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not being, I'm not being braggart here, but like, because I'll you make, know how to execute. Yes. But if it's a matter of like, Hey, let me just sit down with the sketchbook and draw it ain't happening. Like th- that right. whole right. muscle is just atrophied and, you know, in, in a wheelchair it is it, it, it's going to take a lot of rocky balboa effort to get that thing back into shape hey you know what there's never there's never i don't know like it's one of those things like i just uh you know i i would love to see it like you know i don't know if that would you know me, me bugging you to do it would help it anyway yeah. but i would just i would love to see you take that you know there's a project out plunge. there there's there a comic book project out there that I am this over this winter, I'm going to do a pinup for it. Mm-hmm. Nobody's asked me to do it. No one's hiring me to do it, but I'm going to do it because I just want to do it because I love the property so much. And I'm thrilled that somebody's actually doing something with it. And, um, and I will be talking to the person in char- who is spearheading the whole thing. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens when I just dump it on them um, <laughs> at one point, because I'm just going to give it to them. You know, I'm like, here you yeah, go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'll, 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 I'll put you on my, on my contact list of I'm building a convention banner piece of artwork. So um and I'll, I'll, I'll send you, I'll send you where it is and what I'm doing with it. So you can see, okay. you can see the evolution of stuff in there. So, yeah, that's um, cool. yeah, I mean, it, that, I mean, it's, it's a little stuff, but the problem is I have so many things I'm working on that I think it is so gets so shoved in the back of the, the you know, yeah. It's yeah, no, I, 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 I totally understand. It, it's, it's tough. It's always tough to find the balance in the time and, you know, I think the, um, you know, in your, you're good at other things too. And I think that's, you know, part of it, right? Like you're like, you know, you're, you're driven by like your writing, you're driven by your podcast is great. Like, you know, it's uh, I'm, I'm a fan of it. That's why <laughs> I reached out to you just to tell you, like, I'm like, I love your podcast. So easy um, way to get on the show to say, tell me you love it. You're on, you're <laughs> well, no, I, I wasn't, I didn't I even you expect you to ask me. I was I just like, I'm just like, I, you know, during October, I'd been, I started listening because I, I wanted to just have some background noise while I was doing mm-hmm. my traditional stuff. And I discovered your podcast. I'm like, Oh, I'm like, these are like, there's so few podcasts out there that have, creators just talking about 
comics and their process and their like in this way and the way you do and you do it in a way uh, like it's it's almost like a therapy session <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I really <laughs> yeah like it, like it's like it's like you know yeah like if you're like like the comics therapist or something like right. i don't know what it is like it's you have this like maybe it's your voice in the way you present ideas and stuff but in the way you sort of dig in to the minutiae of you know things and it's in such an interesting way so i, I you know just to pat you on the back like you know it's uh yeah, it's just a, it's a special thing, and I, you know, I'm sure this is a ton of work. It is. It's. I mean, it's not. It's not. It's not a ton of work, but it, it's enough work for me to go like, God, you know, like, or, or for at least for my wife to say, "Can you get paid for this thing?" Like, that's 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 a that amount of work that it is. You know, when a wife turns to you and says, "Can you get paid to do this?" I'm like, oh. why do why do we why do we pick these things to love that don't pay very much? Like, you know I what I mean? Like, it. I didn't pick it. <laughs> You didn't do you pick podcasting? It picked you. <laughs> it's sort of. Yeah. I, I how did didn't. Fall, this, how did you fall into it? Just out of curiosity, like what? I was, was um, pandemic or no, this happened before the pandemic. My wife oh, okay. is being an artist. She went off to Ireland for a residency oh, and wow. she was gone. So I reached out to art school friends and said, Hey, remember how we used to hang out and draw together? Why don't we just do that once a week? And I was honestly okay. inspired by, um, the uh, the drink and draw show with yes, Dave okay. Johnson and yeah. uh, um, the crew. And um, so I started doing that, but then going back to what I said, me being me, I'm like, what can I do with this? Like, can I like, so I started asking other art college friends and I happened to go to a good art college with some pretty great comic book artists. So we started having those people coming on. And then I said like, well, let me ask my friends in the comic business if they'll come on in. So I started asking more and more people. And then one day I was, I don't know, I was talking to somebody and it's, and he said, Oh, I love your podcast. I'm like, what? I'm like, I, like I have a podcast. Yeah, I didn't really <laughs> recognize I was doing a podcast per se. So, um, right. I was like, well, oh, okay. I, I mean, you're good at it. Like, you know, I, I, I kind of wondered if you had had some sort of radio background, um, no. like took any of that. Cause you know, I had a friend who took like radio in college, like, you know, and he kind of had a voice for things, but then never did anything with podcasting. But I said, kind of was curious. Cause I'm like, Oh, you're just so good and natural with it. I wondered. I just like talking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know, I'm curious. Make a, make a podcast that I'm inherently and, curious. And you're, but you're passionate as well, and you're knowledgeable. Um, you know, even if it's a little bit intimidating. Your knowledge of comics, um, you know, for someone like me, you know, like I said, I have my my image base, you know, and it's like, and I know that, like, you know, your your depth of knowledge in the comics world is is quite more vast than mine is um and uh you know it's like i i'm envious of it you it's know I, I wonder different. yeah and i but i wonder though like you know i wish i was exposed to more uh comics when i was growing up like i didn't discover bone until after college right you know um there's there's just so much you know that was happening that i sort of ignored maybe because it wasn't flashy enough right sure you know yeah. And I didn't appreciate it. And, and, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't there for the storytelling as much as I was there for the art. Yeah, you're right. I get it. Honestly, and, I didn't like black and white comics for the longest time. I'm like, there's no color, you know? Oh, and, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. kind of, yeah. 
now I read them. I'm like, I love these, you know, but I don't, you know, but it's like, you know, I mean, you don't know, you just like junk food when you're a kid. So yeah, no, like, I mean, I think that's part of it as well. Like, you know, the type of kid you are, you know, I was not a intellectual by any stretch, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I don't know. You feel like you miss out on certain cultures. You see some kids that it. come up and they, and they know things and they've like, you know, it's almost like their parents were exposing them to all these really cool things <laughs> sure. growing up. My parents had no clue about comics, so, you know, or anything. Right. right? right. They, they, no, my dad never sat me down and goes, Hey son, check out this issue of Spider-Man. It's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I never had that. And I, and I kind of envy it. Maybe that's the different generation, right? Because you so many, you know, people our age who have comics, you know, I'm giving like my oldest son, like, you know, the last man to read, mm-hmm. and, you know, and Hellboy and, you know, trying to get him away from Dogman and being like, hey, here's some try. Right. So I want your, you know, not that he's into art, but right. you know, just expose. I still want to expose him to some of the cool stuff that's out there for sure. And, you know, and I think that's kind of like our, the new generation of artists probably have, that's maybe why they seem a little more in touch. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's all out there, you know, you know, well, here I'm saying, making myself sound old, but at the click of a mouse, I mean, like Mm -hmm. everything is out there. Like you can, you can see this stuff and be exposed to every sort of nook and cranny of the comic history, which is a huge benefit like and not to mention youtube and podcasts and conventions i mean it's all there to get a great education in comics and you know it's never too late i mean listen i just read bone from front to back last year oh wow yeah so you know it's not that i didn't know it and i didn't hadn't seen it i just never sat down to read the whole thing right yeah and it's not it's thick that's it's a, huge. Like that. That's a yeah, like book. like he's definitely getting a bill from my uh my from my carpal tunnel, you know, just from holding yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, 100%. <laughs> um so all right, you're on Instagram. You're also on Blue Sky, right? I I am, yep. You know, um, I I found you on Twitter. I don't know how long ago. I just saw something. I think you would probably reply to something or somebody retweeted something you put up and I'm like, "Ooh, you know, fantasy adventure story. Right. I, you know, so I started following you because I'm a, I'm a sucker for that. Um, and then, um, and I only use Twitter now for direct messages. So thank you for reaching out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, it's weird about Twitter. So I sort of, you know, uh, part of, part of social media is, is sort of promoting my business so I could move as many books as I can, as much merch when it comes time to like put something out there. Yeah. So I held on to Twitter as much as I saw Twitter kind of taking a downturn. Um, it was interesting though, because when everybody kind of a mass exodus of artists happened, suddenly Twitter became like, like I started to get some real numbers like really? on stuff I was posting, which is really interesting. It's almost like the, the pool of talent got smaller. Sure. And there was less. So it's like, I t- kind of like taken advantage now since I've sort of remained and I, I'll still always call it Twitter. Cause I think the thing is stupid and uh, you know, but yeah, it's interesting. And I, I've been lucky too. I've never really got into the, you know, when it comes to social media, I never dug into like real, uh, 
debates. I never debating with somebody online is insane. No. Like it's like it's insane. Like if you want to talk to me about something, like let's talk in person because you know me trying to express my view and and most of the time it's just be want to be argumentative, and um, you know so it's like I've always just used it as like a marketing tool, mm-hmm. and you know and try to just sort of just just be for my art, and yeah. So Twitter for me was never really too toxic like i never got many comments of people telling me i'm a horrible person or whatever or they hate my art or whatever and you get the odd one that pops up but um yeah but like so i'm sort of glad i remained for that reason i used to have a i used to have the blue check on twitter for real (laughs) (laughs) and now i now i don't and uh i don't want the fake one and uh you know when when that happened i was gonna be like oh you know screw this place i'm out of here but i'm kind of glad i stuck to it because yeah like it's weird to see the numbers the way and social media is so all over the place when it comes to like algorithms and how you get exposure and because it's just such a big part of my business i try to and that's where like you know if the blue sky comes along it's like yeah i gotta try to jump on it and see you know if i can get any see traction on there yeah. and see because you know if it does blow up you know i know how important instagram was when it sort of instagram started taking off and that kind of made my freelance career Mm-hmm. Um, you know, social media can be a powerful tool, um, as much as it can be a detriment. Um, you know, I, th- I still think finding, you know, I love it for finding new artists and, and being inspired, but it at times yeah. it becomes like oversaturated and it, you know, you need that balance of like, can I, can I not expose myself to so much stuff that like I am losing focus on what I want to do? Yeah, there is, you know what I mean? There is yeah, that yeah, kind totally. of, it's an overload of mm-hmm. talented people. Um, yeah, but. Uh, yeah, no, I, I get it. I mean, I, I it's a, I have very sort of strong rules I have to employ when it comes to social media, just for my own frame of mind, just to keep my head together. Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. So you're working on Crimson Falls part two. Yeah, so it's a, this one's called the Shore Tower. Um, it's another, it's a sort of another monster story. Um, a little bit, uh, sort of my take on like a, I don't want to say a werewolf tale because it doesn't involve a werewolf, but I was sort mm-hmm. of inspired by that a little bit. And um, and uh, yeah, so I'm hoping to have that one finished for March and then print it for TCAF, which I believe is cool. in May. That's my goal at the moment. Um, I have a follow-up to The Witch of Wickerson um, that I've been sort of trying to figure out and I've done some work on, but I am I struggled with the story a little bit. Um, and that one's a little bit longer. And then we talked about getting into like longer projects and this one's about yeah. 100 pages and that's okay. kind of pushing my, it's pushing my limit a little bit. And I'm like, this one's going to take me a while to do. But um, yeah, that one was sort of interesting because in The Witch of Wickerson, it was about like a witch who terrorizes a community of rodents. And during this time she destroys their town mm-hmm. and not to spoil alert, but uh, spoil my own book. But um, I wanted to do something like what it'd be like the aftermath of some character like that. Like, what would the world be like? You know, what do these characters have to go through after right. a disaster? 
Sure. And so exploring that was interesting to me, um, almost like a natural disaster for them, but it's like yeah. this big pig, which was her, was their natural disaster and how they're going to survive and sort of like opening up the world a little more outside of their town and how much chaos she's kind of caused around the whole area. Cause they're right. small rodents and they kind of live in this grove, but like, you know, she's devastated other you know, uh, communities as well and how mm -hmm. they've been affected and, and sort of just like my way of just like expanding on that world. So it's kind of fun as well. So like, I almost have like two stories and I'm constantly bouncing around in my head right now. Um, and then, uh, yeah. And then it's like, whenever other ideas pop in, I don't know if you're like this, but like I have endless Google <laughs> docs yes. of just half brain ideas that I'm like, Hey, there's something here. Yep. Um, you know, there's a nugget you know, and maybe I'll, you know, and I'll write a little bit. And that's why I said, like, sometimes it's just a paragraph. Sometimes it's a sentence. Sometimes it's, you know, maybe a, a page word. of something yeah, yeah. or no, it's, you just don't it's, know, right? Like it's, you just collect them, you collect yeah. them and you hold on to them. Um, Cause if you don't write it down, you'll never remember it. So you might, as, you have to write it down. That's true. That's true. And then you just, you, you carry on with it because you'll find that those things end up fitting together. You're like, you know what? Right. I can combine these two and that really solves a whole bunch of problems for the story and it makes it way more exciting. And yeah, keep a morgue. Always keep yeah, a writing. It's like having morgue. little tools, like almost like little tools you can use to fix another, mm -hmm. <laughs> another story down the road. Right. Totally. Totally. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's pretty much what I, yeah, just don't <laughs> lose your, your motivation on the thing you're actually trying to do by getting excited that... by yeah, the scene like it's like that, like you know, the dog sees a squirrel and you're like squirrel, uh -huh. and you like run yeah. run over and chase the squirrel. Um, yeah, that's always that's always a struggle. But uh, yeah, I just had like a my Kickstarter for my third art book just got mm -hmm. finished, um, and that'll be the last art book I do for a while. Um, I'd sort of done six art books now, and this one will be out officially uh, probably March. Um, once I have it all in my shop and ready to go. But um, yeah, like our books, our books are part of that, you know, sort of a little bit of the, uh, you know, like I said, with the Google doc, it's sort of like my Google, my visual Google docs, mm -hmm. because it's just all the ideas I have. I'm just sketching and putting them down in an art book. And it's just a fun way to sort of like, sometimes I like to say, like, sometimes the idea will live and die with a design. Yeah. Like that's where the story lives and dies because it's as far as I kind of want to take it, but it's enough that it sort of scratches the itch. Yeah. Lovely. It's super, it's super smart also just to, you know, if you can, pro if you can, if you can benefit from all the sort of downtime, you know, or the, the thing that you're not doing, but if you're still doing these things that are side little things or just little mm -hmm. daydreams, but if you can turn that daydream into something that it builds into something else, like an art book or an anthology of a whole bunch yeah. of, you know, six page stories, like whatever it is, you just put them all together. Well, yeah. yeah. And that's how like Crimson Fall started. It was just like a sketch in a, one of these art books I was kind of doing at the time and a little light bulb went off. I'm like, I like this design and where does mm -hmm. this go? And I'll write a little story and yeah. And then just the rest is kind of history. So it's just, you never know where that little spark's going to come from. Might be from art, might be from a little, you know, idea in your head, but yeah. Well, I, I really, really dug uh, the Crimson Falls story that you s shared with me. It's like, you know, it's right up my alley. So I was super excited. So I can't wait that the next one comes out. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 
see what it looks like too. Pretty excited to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can see you. you maybe you'll be like, ah, oh, this. You should have stuck with the black and white sketch lines. Uh, maybe it would have been better. But I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully, I can pull off the other one too. And maybe it's like one of those things where you're like, hey, you know what? Both are okay. You know, both look mm-hmm. cool. And that's yeah. You know, at the end of the day, that's what I'm trying to do is just make something that's you know, hopefully professional looking. Even though it's like indie books, I think that's like, you know it's weird. Like as an indie sort of comic guy, um, I, I sometimes it's a bit of a stigma, I think with like indie comics that they're maybe a little lower quality or, right. or something. And I'm trying my best to, you know, get it printed with good quality. Like, you know, try to make the art as professional looking as I can make the writing mm-hmm. as good as I can. And, you know, that's, that's my goal is sort of like, you know, create professional looking indie comics. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think that's a great goal. And, uh, you know, listen, if you make the thing that you, you want, you know, the thing that makes you happy, the thing that you really, really want to read, listen to see, you know, whatever thing is or eat, mm-hmm. that's the thing you do. And, right. you know, I don't know, man, like people can, te- people can just tell what is the thing that people, you know, like this means something to somebody. The, yeah they can see the passion yeah it's it's all right there or they can you know they sense it and they know what to do so you know and even if it doesn't make you rich you're going to be happy you know the the, the, oh, the, yeah. the that's the most important part of it because if you're not happy you know you're not going to keep doing it no just do the thing that you want to do i mean don't ignore the fact that you have to pay bills and you know have responsibilities in life i'm just talking a creative pursuits don't know. <laughs> don't, don't go crazy. Um, cool. So go follow Derek. If you're not already following him amongst the other hundred thousand people, um, you can, you can find him on Instagram and uh, blue sky. If you're lucky enough to be on there at the moment and Twitter, he's on Twitter. Go find him on Twitter. Well, you go he's, to DerekLothman.com. That's probably the easiest. And then yeah. you just find all my social medias yeah. and whatnot. There'll be links in the description so people can find you. Um, Derek, it was great to meet you. Yeah, you too. I'm really, I really enjoyed this and uh, I'm honored to be on your show. Oh, um, thank you. And, uh, you know, it's like you've, you've had some mega talented people on here. I feel a little bit out of place, but uh, the, uh, yeah, I think it's just, I don't know, such a great show. I, I hope you continue to do it for as long as you're finding it, you know, creatively satisfying for you as well. It's, it is, it is stimulating and it is therapeutic. So I try to try, try to lean into both of those things for my own, my, yeah. my own self. And, um, I, and I, like I said, I appreciate this as like a therapy session a little bit. It is <laughs> fun to sort of dive in and see kind of like where, you know, how these pieces connect in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all one big thing, man. It's all one big thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all right, man. It's been an absolute joy. And, uh, yeah. And uh, I don't know if you, uh, maybe we'll cross each other's paths at a convention sometime in the future. Oh, for sure. For sure. And maybe, uh, at some point, um, before I release, uh, the next Crimson Fall, maybe if you would uh, be interested in reading it and give me some feedback. Absolutely. If, that, if that's something, cause uh, you know, I, I rarely get, uh, other creative people to look at my stuff. Cause I'm always afraid to ask, but <laughs> Well, you are here and I put you on the spot, but that's uh, right. you know. I'll, I'll, I'll say yes. I, I, I'm, I do, I do like, you know, that sort of development side of, side of stuff. So I enjoy it. 
Cool. I appreciate cool. that. Yeah, man. Um, no holidays. Any holidays? Say have a happy. Would have a happy. What is it? Uh, Wednesday. <laughs> happy Wednesday. I mean, Christmas is coming. It's, you know, there you 20 go. Twenty days away. It'll be here. See you, man. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye.